I want you to open your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter number 2. The book of Acts, chapter number 2. I continue preaching on the actions of Acts. We'll go through this book, and today is one of those messages that people mess up. So I want you to listen very, very carefully. It's like the lawyer told the judge, judge, just for this one time, can we put aside the facts? And that's how, that's how we interpret Acts 2. We just put away the facts. We don't really listen to what it says. We build our theology around our great-great-grandparents or, or somebody that we met at work years ago or somebody that has had some experience, and that's how we build our theology. We do not have a clue what the Bible says about it. And so today, by God's grace, I want to help you with that, I believe, and these help some people with it. Maybe you're already clear. Maybe you're good on this particular on this particular subject, but a lot of people are not. And I want to talk to you today on the day that the church came alive. The day that the church came alive. Contrary to what some people believe, that Baptists come from John the Baptist, that is not true. John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. He, hadn't, he wasn't even on this side of the cross. Remember that. We didn't come from John the Baptist, even though he was known as the baptizer. We are more commonly known to have come from a group called the anti-anabaptists, A-N-A, Baptists, but I, there was other Baptists throughout the years, but commonly known that the Reformers were baptizing infants. And by the way, everybody who came out of the Reformation still baptized infants. You know why they do it? to keep them saved until the time they come a certain age and then they take care of it. Now, folks, if that would work, that'd be wonderful. It just don't work that way. And we don't baptize babies. We're not going to start baptizing babies. You wash your baby at home in the bathtub or in the sink and bring it to church smelling good, amen? Because we are not going to sprinkle your baby. We're not going to pour your baby. We're not going to dunk. Your baby. But when your baby comes to the age of accountability and God speaks of their heart and they get born again, we're going to dunk them as deep as we can. Amen. That's what we want to do. But, so we get our name more from them. And by the way, many of the reformers killed a lot of us because it angered them that we would go against what had been taught all through the Roman church. And now, up through the Reformation, is being taught that you are not to baptize babies, infants. But they refused. They said you had to be saved to be baptized. And so, today, I want to talk to you where the church really began. Where the church really began. Do you have your Bible open, Acts 2? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord... In one place. Now, I want you to notice that before there can be power, there has to be unity. Unity. You see, it's wonderful to have holy additions, but sometimes it's more wonderful to have unholy subtractions. So here we see 
there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And remember, out of, they were Jews. The first church was 100% Jews. They were Jews. And so the Bible said every man heard them speak in his own language. Jews had been scattered all over the world in the dispersion, the diaspora, it's called. Listen to what it says. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these which speak Galileans? In other words, are they not hicks? That's what that means. Country bumpkins. And how we hear every man in our own language where we're in born. And he lists the groups that were there, the different dialects, the different languages that were there. There were Parthians, and there was Medes, and there was Elamites, and there was dwellers in Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, and in Egypt, and the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and the strangers of Rome, Jews, and proselytes, Cretes, and Arabians, we all of those said, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And others mocking said, these are full of new wine. So today, I'd like for some of you to leave out of here full of new wine. <laughs> full of new wine. Not old wine, new wine. And see, new wine, uh, they had some that they made alcoholic that they had put a disadditive in. But new wine was that wine that in the, in the Bible that come fresh out of the cluster. Fresh out of the cluster. And so I hope you leave today with some of that freshness out of the cluster. Let's bow our heads as we ask God to help us with his word today. Father, we thank you for the this text because it helps us to understand so many other parts of your Bible. So God, help us not to be, um, uh, help us not to be distant from the Bible. Help us not to be uh, a bias about the Bible. Help us to not have a preformed opinion about the Bible. Help us to come and let the Holy Ghost of God show us today what you want to show us. Somebody that doesn't know Jesus Christ, never been saved, God today would you light a light in their soul and help them to see that you really are alive and that you can save them today. We love you, and we thank you for your blessings on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this is the particular day that the church was born. We call it the day of Pentecost. Now, there had been many days of Pentecost and would be many more. In fact, it still lives today and will keep living, I guess, till he comes. This church that he wanted to build was not an organization. You remember, Jesus did not want an organization. Jesus wanted an organism. Jesus wanted something that was alive, not something that was dead. So when he wanted a church, he birthed it and breathed into it the breath of life, just like when he wanted a man, he created him out of dust and breathed in him to the breath of life. 
And so this church today, the same thing's going to happen to it. In verse number 12, they asked the question that many of us had, what does this mean? What does this mean? Here's what it means. From now on, Jesus would not have a physical presence on earth. He would not have a physical body on earth for people to look and say, that's Jesus. And so now, from this day forward, from the day that the church was born, his physical presence would be the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. You think about that when you go to Walmart. You think about that when you get on Facebook. You think about that when you got something to say about some, somebody else. You think about the fact that we are alive and God didn't birth us just to be an organization. He birthed us that we might be alive. Amen. And so once you look at the meaning of that day, verse number one, first of all, the meaning of that day was a feast day. Pentecost, it means 50th. Write that down. Pentecost means 50th. The Jews had several important feast days, but three of those were very prominent. There was three prominent ones. First of all, there was Passover. That spoke of the deliverance from Egypt. You know the story. It is, it is that symbolization that we uh, had before that Jesus came and drank that last Lord's Supper with his disciples. And he said, I'll drink it anew with you again in my kingdom. It spoke of his, uh, it spoke of his crucifixion. It spoke of his burial. And it spoke of his resurrection. So, they had the feast day of Passover, and then they had the feast of first fruits. The feast of first fruits was the day after Sabbath following Passover, which was Sunday. Sunday. That's why we worship in the church today, primarily the gathered church, the assembled church today, worship as a living organism, a living body of Christ. We worship on the Lord's day. We worship on the first day of the week, not the last day of the week, because he arose from the dead on that day and he birthed the church on that day. So he wanted to separate us from legalism and make sure that we were alive. Amen. And so that's why we see the feast of first fruits, and I'll explain a little bit more. But then there was a third one. There was the feast of harvest. That is Pentecost. That's Pentecost. It was 50 days after the feast of first fruits. That's when Pentecost came. 50 days after the feast of first fruits. At harvest time of the crops, 50 days later, many, many would follow, of course, like that. And Levit you, want to, you say, where's that in the Bible? I'll give it to you. I'm not going there. Leviticus 23, verses 15 and 16. You can go there and find how God had given them this particular feast. So this event happened every year. That was one that they didn't want to miss because it was kind of a fun holiday. It was more um, lively, upbeat. It was, a, it was one that you enjoyed going to. And so uh, it, every, I guess year would be a little different, but they wanted to go. So that was the first thing that we look at when we talk about this day of uh, meaning of the day of Pentecost. We have to understand that it was a feast day. Do you have that? Number two, it was a fulfillment day. And what I mean by that is all of these feasts had a prophetic or typological and symbolic meaning. 
The feast of Passover, as I've already alluded to, spoke of the crucifixion. And of course, it was fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he arose from the dead to prove he did what he said he could do. Now, the second one was the feast of first fruits, and that was the resurrection. Because it came that day, that large day, three days after. That's when it came. And so God set up these feasts as just symbolic, typological. So in the Old Testament, they had a picture of what was going to happen later on. And so we see there was the feast of the first fruits, which speaks of the resurrection. You say, is that in the Bible? Yes, go to Leviticus chapter 23, verses 9 through 14. Oh, you say, that just gives us the feast. I mean, where is it in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. Because I might have forgot that. But I want to give you this one. Folks, if, this, if you can't let this think in your head, I mean, your head's harder than mine. Listen to what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. And thank God there's going to be many of us to come later. Amen. First fruits. Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. And that's why he said, because I live, you shall live also. If he had to come out of that tomb, there's no hope for us. And so, Jesus even said this, except the corn of wheat fall on the ground and die and abideth alone, but if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He said it in John chapter 12, verse 24. Now, look at the third thing. It was the feast of harvest, or sometime known as the feast of weeks. That is the day of Pentecost. That was the day the church was born. It was 50 days later. The wheat was at the beginning at the harvest. And so they would bring it in. And so Pentecost believers were the first fruits of the wheat, the first bundle of believers. So what we have here in Acts chapter 2 is the first bundle of believers. And I get excited about that. It's okay. It's all right if you smile. It's all right if you want to get happy about, uh, about the church being alive. It don't have to be dead. Some folks don't want a live church. I've heard people even say about us, we don't want all that mess of Hillcrest out of our church. Well, we don't want to go out there anyway. We don't want to go over there anywhere. God put us here. And now we do have some mess I don't like either, but we have a lot of good mess around here too, you know. And so I thank God for that. But if you read Matthew 13, verse 30, he uses that same uh, uh, Typology, he said, Christ will return and separate the wheat from the tares in the harvest. Here's what he'll do. He'll separate the first fruits from the no fruits. Y'all got that one? Now, the Holy Spirit is coming on the day of Pentecost was no accident because it fulfilled the shadows, the types, the symbolism of the Old Testament. Now, let me let me listen. Let me listen. It, it gets more exciting than that. When they would do this feast, they would bring out two loaves of bread. Two loaves, not one loaf. Two loaves of bread. Now, it's not explained why there was two loaves of bread, but I know why there was two loaves of bread. 
Because in the church, when God uses these feast days to teach them about what he's going to do later on in life, there's going to be two types of people in the church. There's going to be the Jews and there's going to be the Gentiles. So you got two loaves of bread. He brought those out. And so the first day, church was born on Sunday. And so we'll celebrate its father every Sunday. Amen. It's not only, with, you say, well, I, I, I believe I could worship, and you can. You can worship anytime you want to. But the gathered church in the Bible gathered together primarily on the Lord's day, which was Sunday. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, it was at night because they were servants and slaves, 60% of them were, and they had to work and then come to church. If that had been a bunch of Baptists today, can't you hear them? <laughs> I tell you what, pushing them rocks all day long got me tired. I ain't going to church. No, Paul, he'll probably preach till midnight, and I'll fall out the window and break my neck. Anyhow, I ain't going. And just hear him, right? So let's look at the second thing. Y'all got that down? You understand Pentecost? Understand Pentecost? Now, it's not the feast day that's important. It's what's going to happen on the feast day that's important. So when we call it the day of Pentecost, it's not because it's the feast. It's because of the fulfillment of it, all right? All right. Secondly, I want you to look at the miracles of that day. The day was a day of miracles. I hear people say this all the time. You know, we need, a, we need another Pentecost. Why? Do we need another Bethlehem? Was not one Bethlehem enough? Do we need another Calvary? Was Calvary not enough? Why do we need another Pentecost? It's enough. He birthed a church that has survived for over 2,000 years. And it's still going strong. He's got his remnant and we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in South Korea today because there's multitudes, multitudes of people in South Korea that have given their heart to Jesus Christ. It's the largest church and churches in the world is in South Korea. And North Korea is total atheistic and propagandized to where they don't know anything about anything. Let's pray for that crowd. Let's pray that God somehow remove old Tinker Boy, uh, Tinker Toy Boy, and get him out of the way. And somebody with at least a partial brain will not want to blow the world apart. Amen. So I want you to notice the miracle of the day. First of all, it was the miracle of sound. Miracle of sound. Verse 2 says it was audible. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. You know what most people do? They rush to the conclusion that the wind blew in there. That's not what it says. It said they heard a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. Now, all of us have heard a strong wind, right? All of us knows how that those strong winds make great noise. That's what they heard. They heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. You know what I believe it was? The same thing Revelation chapter 1 talks about Jesus' voice, or, or the Father's voice being like the voice of many waters. I believe it was, it, was, it was such a voice that they knew the Father's talking now. And so 
We see them. It sounded like a tornado. I've had one go over top of my head, and some of you may have experienced them, and we've had them here in Lebanon across the, the, the country now. It seems like they're becoming more and more common. But I can remember hearing that thing go over the house, and it sounded just like a freight train. That's the kind of sound they heard in that room. Just that room. Just that room. Isn't that amazing? That's the miracle of the sound. And then, by the way, the Holy Spirit is invisible, but he is invincibly powerful. Remember that. So let's look at the source now of this miracle. It was sudden. It was like a wind, not a wind. So it's audible. So the source is from heaven, the Bible says. It's from heaven. That's where the sound came from, from heaven. Now look, not from Satan, not from man. It was not wind. It sounded like wind. It sounded like a strong gust of wind, but it had blown from heaven. That's pretty cool to me. I remember one day, I was a lost sinner and on my way to hell, living like hell. And I didn't know, I, 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 I just wouldn't walk with God, didn't want to walk with God, didn't want to live for God. And God broke my heart, brought me under conviction and I fell on my knees. And I'm telling you, that wind blew into my heart and I didn't see the wind. I didn't feel the wind. But I know when he got inside, he done something powerful in my life. That's what he's saying right here. If, the, if, if Nicodemus had that experience, the same thing happened to him. If you've been saying the same thing happened to you. You don't have to feel anything to be saved. You have to believe something to be saved. Well, that was the source was from heaven. And so as we look at that, we, we, we keep going. The very breath of God came to earth, filled the room. The sound filled the room. And by the way, didn't mess up anybody's hair. You know, all the toupees stayed on when it come. Nobody, okay, look, filled, it was in all the house. Now, here's what happened. Amen. Y'all got your ears on? Now, we're not going to do away with the facts here. We're going to get the facts in, okay? Here's what happened. Right here is where the baptism of the Holy Ghost that Jesus talked about would come upon them not many days hence. When the house was filled, those 120 that was in that house got born again, got saved, at least the way we get saved now. They had believed on Jesus Christ. They were sitting there waiting to have someone inside of them. And on that day, the Holy Ghost moved into their life. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you're saved, you have it. You don't pray for it. You don't ask for it. It don't come at a later time. He would hath not the spirit of Christ, hath not Christ. So there's the, this was the visible proof of the promise. Just, that, just in that room, the visible proof of the promise. The Lord's church birth, he wanted every believer not to miss what they had, what they'd been waiting for all these, these days. He didn't want them to miss it. And so 120 became, look what the Bible said, said it filled the house where they were sitting and there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and it set on each of them. Uh, the, the, the cloven tongues means different kinds of tongues, different kinds of languages. And it set on them like fire. And other 
other words, they look like a bunch of human candles. They look like a bunch of human big old matchsticks going around with fire burning on their heads. Uh, Y'all ain't getting that. I don't don't believe I can preach enough to get y'all outside today. The Bible says there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire. It wasn't fire, but it appeared to be fire. It appeared to be fire. Folks, when you really get born again and saved, you won't really have actual fire in you because that'd burn you up. You have something bigger and better than that. You have the fire of the Holy Ghost. That's what he's saying right here. And so he puts them in the same body and they had the wind set, their sails set to catch it and they grabbed the wind of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost lived in them and they were baptized, the Bible says. And look at verse number three. The Bible says there appeared unto them those tongues, those divided tongues. They saw it. So we heard it. We saw it. Very clear. Can't miss it. Y'all still with me? And so... I just got thinking about that, man. Nobody, well, you say, well, why didn't other people get it? Because no one else was qualified. Who else could get baptized by the Spirit of God because they weren't born again? They had not come to Christ. They had not believed upon Christ. They had not fully committed to Christ. So only those who had fully committed to Christ could have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, later on, as they begin to go out, think about it. Here's somebody comes walking at you, and they got, look, looks like fire burning in the top of their head. And they're walking at you, and you're saying, look at that crazy guy. It looks like he's got some fire coming out of the top of his head. It looks like a volcano just exploded out of his brain. And then you start coming close to a Persian or a Mede, and one of these old hick Canaanites that couldn't speak nothing but except like I do and he'll be to hear. And he began to speak and that guy heard him speak his own language. And those folks who spoke different languages, next thing you know, those fireheads were speaking in their own language. Look what the Bible says. Every man, verse six, every man heard them speak in his own language. Why don't people read that verse? I'll tell you why they wouldn't have a TV ministry. I'm not sending anything to anybody who leaves that verse out. Because when you tell people you have to beg God to give you something, friend, that's not a gift. God freely, the Bible says, wants to give it to us. When you have to beg and ask God to give you the Holy Ghost. Folks, listen, I didn't have to ask him when I wanted to be saved. He just come in and did it. So you, salvation envelops you. And then, but, but there's a third thing now. There's the miracle of sight, verse 3. It, they begin to see everything going on. They begin to see all this happening. And then, then it's the miracle of a speech. Here they're, they're filled and they submitted to the one who had come. And so that meant that they had a new Lord and a new owner. As a result of that, that the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the Bible does not say, the Bible says they spoke 
They heard every man speak in their own tongue. Now, they said, are not these that speak Galileans? You see, the miracle is just as much in the hearing as it is the speaking. Here's a guy, he can't speak Galilean. He can't speak Hick. He can't speak none of these languages. But when the Holy Ghost of God falls on them and they come out as holy torches, lights for the Lord Jesus Christ, and they say, I got some good news for you. Jesus came down to this world. He was God, you know, and he lived a perfect life. And they, they, they sacrificed him on a Roman cross. And three days later, he came up from the grave. And if you get on your knees and believe on Jesus Christ, you can be saved today. And there... Thousands, we'll read about that later on, gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the multitudes of the day, verse 5 and 6, the multitudes. Wherever there is a clear manifestation, let me say this. Wherever there is a clear manifestation of the Holy Spirit, there will be clear communication about the Holy Spirit. You won't have to guess. You won't have to wonder. It'll be clearly communicated because the Holy Spirit is not here to amuse us. The Holy Spirit is not here so we can abuse him, but the Holy Spirit is so he can use us. So he has not come to confuse us, but he's come to clear it up. So it seems this miracle brought the multitude together and every man there heard them speak in their own language. I'm glad he throwed that word Galileans in there. I've been to Galilee now a lot of times. And I go up to Galilee and it's, it's, that's, that's like country folk. Uh, that's where the country folk, no cities up there. Uh, it's just mountains and hills and rocks and and, and, and a few few Bedouins, and and then there's a, a little bit, maybe a little town or two here and there, but there's no cities up there, and 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 they're the country folk, they're Galilean, they they had a different dialect, they 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 spoke different than the educated people. Some of you try to act educated, but you're not. Doesn't it just, it amazes me, somebody can go up north and live two weeks and come back talking funny. Does that not make, isn't that something, there's something wrong about that. I, I mean, they just come back and you can't understand nothing they sing because they were talking like they're from New Jersey. Well, <laughs> When they come to me and say, well, you know, I tell you what, I just don't like the South. I say, well, we can go back to the North. But I don't hear many people say that. I think they left the North and come down here because it's a pretty good place to be. Amen. So anyway, we look at the last thing. Look at the memory of the day. It was not to be ever repeated or renewed, but it was forever to be in our memory. What? The memory of baptism how that you were put in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. How could you lead somebody to Jesus? How could you get the Holy Ghost in somebody? Remember, because of that day, you can lead people to Christ. God gave us the authority in two places in the book of Matthew. 
that whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. I had, I had a guy not long ago tell me, he said, you, 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 you have no right to tell somebody they're going to heaven and hell. I said, yes, I do. Let me show you the Bible. God said that whatever the church binds on earth will be bound in heaven. So if somebody walks this aisle and bows and prays and repents of their sin and receives Jesus Christ and their testimony is real that they're that they're a child of God, we can write it down down here and he writes it up there. I like that. The memory of that day and also the memory there was a birth of the church. Have you noticed that? Your children, do you ever forget their birth? No, you don't. I got grandkids. I don't forget their birth. In fact, I have to remember it a whole lot costlier than their mom and daddy does. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, you don't ever forget that your church came alive on this day. Every time the Holy Ghost leads you, every time the Holy Ghost speaks to you, every time the Holy Ghost touches you, you can say, my church is alive. And then you got it as a gift. You didn't work for it, do anything to get it. And because of it, you have power to be indwelt so you can become a witness for Jesus Christ. Here's what I'd like to see some folks do here today. I mean, from the response I, I, I see this morning on our faces, I, I think you're happy today. I don't think you're upset today, but I'm not sure there's too many come to make many decisions today. But the Holy Ghost may showed up and changed your mind. But if you don't make a decision at this altar today, that'll suit me fine if you walk out that door with fire on your head. So you can light somebody else up. So you can light somebody else up. Now, I, I guess I probably shouldn't even try to do that, and I won't. But I'd like to tell you some things about the tongues moving. And maybe next week I will just mention it just a little bit. But the thing you need to do, the things you need to dwell on most of all is the baptism of the Holy Ghost is when you get saved. That's in 1 Corinthians 12. You'll find it there. The indwelling of the Holy Ghost means that when he puts him in us, he seals us unto the day of redemption. That's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, 14. That means I can't fall out, I can't get out, can't climb. Nobody can get me out. Look, and it's gift. You didn't have enough to buy it. He just gave it to you. And I'll say more about it as days to come. I wonder if the problem in your life is just going against the wind. Have you ever noticed that fire attracts? We're still talking about the fire in the Smokies and, and, and the National Park there. We're still talking about it. It's on the news every night. It's what we couldn't have done, what we could have done. I mean, we're still talking about the fire. People followed uh, fire trucks. People followed emergency vehicles. Have you noticed that when the fire truck pulls out, everybody is looking, and if they're not careful, they'll turn and try to follow it to see where it goes. Because it's something about a fire 
that is attracting. And if you walk out of here today, lit up for Jesus, there'll be something about you at work, something about you at school, something about you in your community that will be lit up for the Lord Jesus. It may be you've got an enemy. I know I do. I know that comes as a great shock to many of you. (laughs) But I've not treated one of them. Not one of them. Bad. I've considered it deeply. But I realize if we're going to burn, we've got to let Jesus take care of changing people. Our job is just to let the light burn. So today, fire will attract somebody in Lebanon if you'll get on fire for Jesus Christ. If you'll get on fire for Jesus Christ, it will attract somebody in Lebanon we don't need another Pentecost anymore that we don't need another Bethlehem or Calvary. Just write this down. Bethlehem is God with us. Calvary is God for us. And Pentecost is God in us.